Hey friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message today. Everything that the Lord shows me is designed to impact people's lives and advance the kingdom in a mighty way. My prayer is that you would be so blessed and so rooted and so established in the more that the Lord has in store for your life. And remember, stay fired up! The real premise of this message is, is if you lose your wonder, you lose your hunger. Now, I've determined in my heart that the, the best way for me to get you fired up and hungry for God and the things of the Lord is to get your wonder back in order. A lot of churches and what religion does is it beats you over the head with the Bible and says, you are not hungry enough, you are not disciplined enough, and if you'll go through all the spiritual motions and keep living a behavior-modified life and having a relationship with the good, then maybe you'll feel better and God will come to your rescue. There's many of you here today that are living your Christian life with a relationship from a tree that kills you in the name of good. Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had both evil and good. So we think that if I'm good enough, if I measure up enough, if I do all the spiritual disciplines enough, then God will accept me. There's a better tree, everybody. It's called the tree of life. And it's from the tree of life that you get your daily bread. It's from abiding and being spiritual that God transforms you, not doing your church duty. Thank you for being here. But your real accolades come from the Lord and what he does in your life, not because you came to church today. Though I'm really glad you're here. And I mean it. But I've got, we've got to get people out of the religious dysfunction of having a relationship with the good. I mean, I'm talking to so many of you right now. You think that God, as long as you are are good and you keep doing the right things, that God is going to do something on your behalf because you measured up. It's really what it comes down to. It's so subtle. It's a subtle lie. If I measure up, this is the way that many of us were raised by our parents. This is the world system. If I'm good enough and I measure up and I perform, I'll be rewarded when there's a better way. There's a whole better way. And it's called relationship. It's called fathers, sons, brothers, sisters, trees, branches, fruit. God's got better patterns than that. And these types of patterns transform your life when you begin to understand them. And so if you get wonder back in your life and you get fascinated with the Lord, you'll get hungry again. I know how to resolve a lack of spiritual hunger, all I got to do is get you fascinated and full of wonder. The Lord's really good at that. He's way better than me. I mean, just look at creation. Look at your neighbor. Look at your child. Look at, study an eyeball. Study the pregnancy process and the birthing process. Look Look at marriage. Look at people. People watch at the mall sometime. You'll see fascinating wonders everywhere. Maybe not some, not so much, but no, no, no. The point is, is that I can see God in all of you, and I can see the wonder that each of you have a unique eye print, thumbprint, DNA, and you're uniquely created. No one person in here is alike, but yet the Holy Spirit can make us united as one, and that fascinates me despite our differences. I'm fascinated by a lot of things, and because I have a childlike fascination, I'm hungry for more. See, to have wonder means to be inquisitive. To have wonder means to be somewhat puzzled and ask a lot of questions. That's what children do. And unless you be converted, everybody say converted, Converted. and become like a child, not a good religious Christian, conference churchgoer, measure up, Bible thumper. Unless you be converted and become like a child, it's an understanding, not childish, but childlike. And it's a childlike understanding that keeps me so fascinated with the Lord. And that's why I love children. I love children because in them I see wonder. And I love to do wondrous things with them and fascinate them with the creative excitement that, that is in this world and what this world has to offer. More so as creation, I mean. And so I want you guys to have wonder because when you have wonder, it produces faith. And then faith leads to obedience. And Abraham, who is the, the greatest forefather of all of us, we're all seeds of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Some of you 
may not understand that having not read the Bible much, but the point is, is we're heirs to a promise. We're, yes. Through Jesus, we are heirs. Yeah. I mean, we get to inherit a promise that was made to a patriarch forefather thousands of years ago. His name's Abraham. Yeah. And Abraham first had faith and trusted, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. His obedience was accounted as righteousness, and then he was called a friend of God. That's the pattern that I'm trying to get all of you in. So we want to renew our wonder. Hence the title of my message, Wonder and Hunger. It's the second part of a series for Sunday, November 27th, 2016. Many of you weren't here last week, so I'm going to recap a few points from last week. The only way to truly live as a disciple is to find our daily delight in him. Without wonder, there'll be no hunger. And God the Father wants us to be filled with wonder on so many levels. First, in who he is, then in who he's created you to be as a son or a daughter. He wants you to be filled with wonder in every area of your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your children, and with each other in our friendships. He wants us to be filled with wonder in creation. Look at the stars, the universe, the sea, the tropical rainforest, the coral reefs. I mean, all the birds, all the ins even, even the insects I hate and kill like cockroaches, I still don't understand. But I'm somewhat wondering, Lord, what were you thinking? <laughs> All kinds of things. I find myself fascinated by who God is. So I'm, one, I'm filled with wonder in all kinds of areas of my life. Some of the greatest wonders outside of those things come from signs and wonders. It's the supernatural, and the New Testament's full of signs and wonders designed to make you go, Huh. And then when you recognize it's the Lord, you're filled with amazement. That's what happened in Acts chapter 3. When the, the crippled man at the gate called Beautiful was raised up, everybody was filled with ecstatic euphoria, ecstasy it says. They were ecstatic when they saw that this man had been sitting at the front of their temple at the gate called Beautiful for years and years and years, and suddenly he was healed and dancing and leaping for joy. So what happens when the supernatural comes is it fills you with wonder and awe. That's what the Lord loves to do. He loves to do that. I teach a lot on dying to self here. I teach a lot on living at the cross. If I preach nonstop, die, 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 live at the cross, that's only palatable for so long. Many people that come in struggling with drugs and alcohol and addictions and their soul realm is filled with all kinds of wantonness of things that aren't of the Lord. When they come in here, they may be moved in the moment. They may like the words or like the worship, but the minute that they walk out, they run right back to their old life because their soul, their soul is not satisfied. They were satisfied in the moment, but if I can't get you to move to being fulfilled with wonder and fascination and becoming a disciple, then your soul is always going to be chasing after these other comforts, especially if you have unhealed issues, if you have unforgiveness, or you have uh, things in your life that have never been dealt with. When you're born again, you're born again in your spirit. But it's in your soul realm that you have all these things that the Holy Spirit works on in a lifetime. Hurts, pains, past, how you process your mind, your will, your emotions, producing fruit, thinking like him, becoming like him. So first he cleans you up. He does things in you so that over time he can do things through you. And at Rock City Church, we provide a place where the hurting and the broken and the sick and the lost and the dying and the addicts can come because the church should be more like a hospital, not a palace. This is a place where people can walk in struggling with drug addiction, struggling with strife and division in their life at home, struggling with all kinds of things with the Lord, can walk in, hear a word that awakens them, get into the presence of God, respond to an altar call when I finish, and then hopefully walk out of here transformed, but then hook into the community through discipleship classes, through inner healing classes, through women's and men's groups, through family and tribe and community. That's how we have to do it. But I got to get you filled with wonder. And I got to get you to a place where you're sustaining that wonder in your everyday life. So yes, it can be difficult. I didn't get here overnight. I have made a lot of mistakes as a Christian, a lot of failures and shortcomings in my past, learning and trying to walk with the Lord. 
And thank God for his forgiveness and his mercy and his kindness to me because, because of that, I can show it to you. Tender mercies, multitudes of tender mercies, grace and kindness, not shame, fear, hitting you over the head with the Bible, but rather drawing you and wooing you to the love of the Lord because it's the kindness of God that leads you to want to change. It's his kindness that makes you think differently. Fear leads to torment and bondage, and many people are living in fear. And it's easy sometimes. I've talked about how I'm in the trenches too. I was up all night with a baby, wheezing and crying all night long. We were in the clinic yesterday for a couple hours, and as soon as I got home, my mother was rushed to the emergency room, and she's in the hospital right now. Please pray for her. But I'm telling you these stories because I understand what it means to dig deep because I know wind and rain and floods are going to come, but my house is built on the rock. And so I prepared in advance instead of last minute. And I'm out to get you prepared in advance and to live a life, not where you're just touched in a moment, but you're touched for a lifetime. And that's only going to happen when you're fascinated and in love. Who wants to be in a relationship where it's all arduous task and duty driven? That's called cohabitating. And many marriages have become that. And you need an, an igniting of love and fire back into your marriage. But that only comes through Jesus and laying your life down. Because when you start to live in love the way the ultimate God of love does, it changes everything. But I can only preach so much of that because it's hard to understand for the common person. And so what I choose to do is couple with laying your life down at the cross, being a disciple, denying yourself with what it means to follow Jesus and be fascinated by his wonder. Because of the childlike fascination and wonder, I stay lit on fire and in love every day of my life. It's a romantic relationship. So I'm romanced first. And in my romance with the Lord, it may sound weird to some of you, but there's a whole Bible all about way more intense romantic stuff called Song of Solomon that we will teach on at some point. But the point is, is that it's out of that romantic intimacy and love relationship that I'm driven to want to do the right thing. You can never lose sight of Jesus. You can never remove yourself from abiding with him at all times. It's our soul that needs constant attention. I call it the high-maintenance soul. And I have somewhat of bad news for all of you, but I also have an answer. The bad news is, is every one of you are high-maintenance. Just go ahead and admit it. I'm high maintenance. What's really high maintenance is your soul. And everybody was born with a high maintenance soul. Everybody was born with a carnal nature that needs to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Everybody was born with this spiritual war going on between the flesh and the spirit. And the Bible teaches us clearly that we're all in this constant balance and in this constant war between our carnal nature or our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, and our desires, versus being spiritual. God wants you to be spiritual. Your soul's always longing to be filled and satisfied. But if the carnal nature has its way, it'll be filled with temporary pleasures that only bring lies, deceit, destruction, and death. The carnal mind is enmity towards God, the Bible says. Carnal is the word where we get the word carnivore, which means meat eater or flesh eater or flesh, and it's also where we get the word carnival. And without the Holy Spirit, people are living a clown carnival lifestyle. Always looking for the next circus and the next entertainment and the next thing to be entertained and filled with joy. And God had a better plan in the garden, the garden of pleasure and delight, is that God always wanted you to first find pleasure and delight in the Lord, not live like an animal. That's why he breathed the spirit and get into man in the garden and gave us his image and likeness. He separated us from the animals even though we were created on the same day, the sixth day. Your soul needs constant attention. If I were to ever choose to stop spending time with the Lord and abiding with the Lord and reading his word and enjoying him and having intimacy in the secret place time, over time, my soul 
is going to override my spirit because whatever I sow to, sow to, it takes the lead. So when I sow to the spirit, over time, my soul realm gets diminished and decreased, and then those things that once had a hook on me have no hooks anymore. So I'm no longer the man that I once was. Follow me. I'm going to teach you something great today. So the things you used to do diminish and decrease so much so because they're fully in submission now to the spirit. The Bible says that the flesh is weak, but the spirit's willing. And so if over time I choose to get out of abiding and I choose to stop spending time with the Lord and I choose to not seek him first, then the balance, it's no, it, well, it's never balanced, but it becomes like this where the soul suddenly is longing and desiring for comfort. Alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, all these things will run to define pleasure and comfort when we're not finding pleasure and comfort in the things of the Lord. I can't teach this to you enough because this breaks the neck of religion. This breaks the neck of man-made religion. This breaks the neck of behavior modification. Because many of you have come to Jesus at one time or try to do the whole church thing in the past or try to do the religious thing and the behavior modification didn't work, did it? That's why so many people are here. Because you're realizing there's got to be more and there's got to be a better way. But it's something every one of us has to maintain and cultivate. So the soul and the spirit are at war daily. And the only answer is to live. Everybody say live, walk, and so, to the Spirit, every day, versus the soulish desires. Last week, I shared five things that I believe were the greatest keys to abiding daily and being Spirit-led in all we do. These were five things that I believe are some of the most important things for us to be consciously aware of continuously in order for us to be Spirit-led in our whole life. The first thing is identity. If you don't understand who you are and who He is first, you've missed everything. The Lord's Prayer starts out, first two words, Our Father. So sonship and identity, if you haven't heard the Lord say to you, you're my beloved daughter or my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, the father said that to Jesus before his ministry ever started. Now, not just once, but how often are you hearing Papa God tell you, I love you? Because in a, in a marriage, we should be telling our spouses continuously, I love you. Yep. Even if you're frustrated and mad and you still, at the end of the day, say, you know what? I know I acted silly. Or even if you, you kind of grit your teeth and you still say, I love you. Because it diffuses that anger. And even, even a lot of us will tell the Lord, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. But many of us are not hearing the Lord say, I love you. Because when I hear the Lord tell me he loves me, whew, that's a game changer. That's what sons get to hear. That's what daughters get to hear. The next thing's finding your pleasure and delight in him. If you don't find your pleasure and delight in him, it becomes religious behavior modification. Who wants to do boring religious dead church? Anybody? Who wants to go through boring religious lifestyle? It doesn't mean you don't deny yourself. It doesn't mean you don't decrease, but the rewards you get are supernatural. And when you learn to spend time with him and be fascinated by him, I'm telling you, it way outdoes any alcohol, drugs, sex, any pleasures this world can give you. Mark my words because I've had all those other ones. And now I know something better. Because if it wasn't better, I probably would have stayed there. And even in my walk with the Lord, many times I said, hey, well, let's just go back and try that out and see what that was like again. But after I came to Jesus, something changed. That wasn't quite as good as it used to be. And now I had a conviction in my heart and something didn't feel just right. And I went back to the other. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Woo, feeling anointing talking about that. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm coming back to you. And he goes, come on. And then I go, he's standing over there going, and I'm going, Back. I didn't just fall into sin. I did double backflips off the die board and scored a 10. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And we're all going, yeah, I know that lifestyle. But what happens is, is through the love of Christ and never backing down, if you don't back out, if you don't check out, if you'll stay the course and recognize forgiveness and learn who you are as a son and a daughter, something will change. The desires to keep smoking pot, keep getting drunk, keep sleeping around, keep going to the bars. God has a way. I'm telling you, God has a way 
of removing the desires in your life. And that's why for me as a pastor, I don't want religious dysfunction here. I will love you. My leaders will love you. We will be patient with you. We won't beat you over the head. We don't give any room for shame in this house. Not, everybody say, not in this house. So shame's got to go. So you need to know that you're in a place that you can be loved and just take off the front. We have all made a million mistakes and God has had so much grace and compassion and we're going to love you over and over and over and over. And people have left and come back years later. People said the worst things and come back years later. I said, you know what? I forgive you. I don't even remember that anymore because God doesn't remember your sin. We're the ones that remind him all the time of how screwed up we were. He's like, as far as the east is from the west, I don't even remember what you did. But we want to keep reminding God. And then in our personal relationships, we can't let go of the past or forgive because your spouse cheated on you and somebody hurt you. God came for an adulterous lover. How many times have we cheated on the Lord? The next thing is the Holy Spirit's active role in our daily lives. Holy Spirit wants to be with you full-time, 24-7. He wants you to be spirit-led, and he regenerates your soul realm. He reminds you, he teaches you, he guides you, he teaches you how to bite your lip, and he teaches you how to say what needs to be said. He teaches you to be restrained, and he teaches you to run. He teaches you because he's the paraclete. So the Holy Spirit is preparing us for Jesus, the bridegroom, and so the Holy Spirit's walking out my everyday life comforting me, consoling me, strengthening me, reminding me, convicting me. The Holy Spirit comes to convict men of sin and lead them to righteousness, the Bible says. So what the Holy Spirit's doing is convicting and leading. So everybody say convicting and leading. It's okay to have some conviction. You need conviction. Conviction says, uh-uh, uh-uh. And you go, uh-huh. The last thing was recognizing kingdom patterns and not formulas. If I can get you out of formulistic thinking with the Lord and get you into patterns and not formulas, it'll be a game changer because now you'll start to see how God works in a greater context of building family, connecting the dots, fathers, sons, trees, branches, fruit, gardens, all the things that he does in patterns, not formulas, it snaps you out of religion. Are some of you clicking today? I'm clicking. <laughs> the focus of this series revolves around point number two, though, finding your pleasure and delight in the Lord. And last week, I shared two scriptures, and we focused on God's original job description for mankind and how he would enable us to accomplish that job description. We're not going to go over it again, but it was Genesis 2.15 that God created everything, created man last, Actually, the last thing God did was rest, but right before that, he created man and breathed the spirit into us, and then he rested. Sixth day, seventh day. And then he, as soon as he created everything, the last thing he did was man, and then he put man in the garden, and he said, I'm giving you a job description. Your job description is to be a gardener, and your job is going to be to tend. Everybody say tend, tend. and keep. The other scripture that I shared was from Psalm 37.3, and it had to do with trusting, doing, dwelling, feeding on the faithfulness of the Lord to become and accomplish everything that God had in store for our lives. It was Psalm 37.3, says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. To dwell means to be established and secure and happy and content. I define destiny as knowing you're right where you're supposed to be and you're not supposed to be somewhere else. Because if you're living and wishing you were living in Hawaii or somewhere else, and you're constantly somewhere else, you'll never be present. Yeah. And you'll miss destiny because you're always looking for destiny as a, high in, as a pie in the sky off somewhere else place instead of learning destiny can be right now. Yeah. Good. What if you were right where God wanted you to be right now under the sound of my voice, whether you're listening by audio or sitting here in this sanctuary, and God said, I've got you right where I want you. Learn to be content because you're on destiny's path. And instead of always chasing after the next thing tomorrow, you learn to sit still and be content because that's the scripture, godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's all say it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That means that I can, I'm, because I'm godly, I now can be content 
and suddenly great promotion and gain will come into my life. That's destiny to me. I don't know exactly what tomorrow's going to look like or next week or next month. I've got some ideas and we're building towards a vision, but I sure better learn to live in the now because I got babies and a wife and one day they're gonna, my children are going to be grown and gone. Many of you that have grown children tell me all the time, just enjoy every minute. Trust me, I am. Well, not every minute's enjoyable when they're sick and you're having to be at the clinic or all those other things, but the point is, is I don't want to miss a moment, so I cancel all my dinner. I don't do dinner nights. I don't meet with people at night. I come to church on Wednesday. Sometimes I hang out with friends if the kids can play, but I'm trying to put my kids to bed every single night. I'm not out to build my global mission and kingdom. I'm not out to travel everywhere. I'm out to suck the marrow of life every day, and I'm out to eat it up and be present in the moment now and not take this for granted because it's like this. I'll preach 125 times in a year if you count Sundays and Wednesdays. They're all just a blip on the radar screen. So I learned to soak it in, and I learned to listen, and I learned to enjoy the Lord and put him first at all times and enjoy my family and enjoy you. And so that's what that scripture was, was saying, is that I put my full confidence in the Lord, and then I'm going to create and make something happen with my life, and it's going to be good, and then I'm going to be established where I'm at, and I'm going to feed, go ahead and pull it back up. I'm going to feed on his faithfulness, but another version says, and you will be fed by his faithfulness. So you're being fed and you're feeding. And we talked about that last week. You can go back and listen to part one of this series on the podcast. When you have wonder, you have hunger. But when you lose your wonder, you lose your hunger. So wonder has to come first. Today, I'm going to continue on the context of this theme, that not only do we feed on his faithfulness and his wonder, but he feeds us. Not only do we tend, and I shared with you last week that the word tend means to be led and enticed to work. So God would give you a job in the garden, and instead of it being by the sweat of your brow with thorns and thistles, which was a result of the curse, he said, I'm going to walk with you, talk to you, and I'm going to entice you to take care of what I've already created. And I'm going to put you in charge of it. And I'm going to continue to lead you with fascinating wonder to want to do it. Because nobody wants to do anything if you don't want to do it. And so God would put us in a place and give us a job. And then he would allure us and entice us with the beauty of his creation and the wonder of who he is. And walk and talk with us to get the job done. Now translate that today. There's a garden today. But this garden's full of methamphetamines, cocaine, crack, drugs, pot, alcoholism, division, strife, abuse, human trafficking, But those are the harvest. That's the harvest. Even though that's an injustice that we fight, those are the people that God's going to save. Like it or not. The people that God's going to go get are the meth addicts, hence God put us right in flower bluff. There's a big meth addict problem here. It's all over the city, but... God just knew where we needed to be, and he knew that we could be trusted, and he knew if we understood what I'm teaching you today, then God would bring those people, and instead of us looking with disdain and disgust, we would now say, let me show you the love and the beauty of the Lord. And even if they reject you and don't do it, at least you reflect and represent it right. Because all, many of us here, I won't say all of us, but many of us were once pretty jacked up. Weren't we? Weren't we? So the garden today is our primary work. He wants you to tend and keep, to have charge, have guard, and to walk circumspectly. To walk circumspectly means I'm in this constant balance and tension. The word circumspect in the Greek is the word acrobat. And the mindset is I'm walking a tightrope, and I'm walking a tightrope of the path that, of God that, that God has for my life. And over here I've got soul, and over here I've got spirit. I've got this war that's taking place. I've got darkness and I've got light. I've got Satan and I've got Jesus. And of course, Jesus is in me, but I have this tension and God's calling me to walk circumspectly while I take care of the garden that's around me, but I can never get my eyes off him when I'm doing it. So he knew in the garden because there was, a, there was an enemy in the garden, by the way. That's why I often say Genesis 1 is really like Star Wars 3. You know, the first Star Wars, 70s, starts out, really, that was part three, or four, thank you, four, thank you, 
Sorry, guys. Sorry, all you Star Wars guys. Hey, calm down. Calm down. The point is, is there was a whole other story that God just chose to leave out of the creation story. And he just, he didn't, we didn't hear about everything else until later in the Bible, but the, which happened earlier. But the point is, is in the beauty of all the garden, there was an enemy. So if only you walk circumspectly and keep your eyes on the Lord and live with narrow vision towards him, would you be able to do what he's called you to do? And your prime job and function isn't your career today. Though we need people doing what all of you are doing and working in society, you have a greater job from God and to tend and keep his garden, whether you're flipping burgers or cleaning toilets. And if you can get the vision and the revelation that whether you're flipping burgers, toilets, making call, I don't care what you do, you got a greater job from God to tend and keep his garden. And when you start working for him, then you start getting a paycheck that's way better than what this earth can ever provide or a man can provide. And suddenly you start knowing and understanding that man is not my provider, God is. Now I'm not living for the almighty dollar and my boss. I'm now living for the man, Jesus Christ, the king, and advancing his king because I work for him. That's why I've said I think work the way we know it today is ultimately a result of the curse, but we're supposed to do it, and we have to now get restored so that it's not with thorns and thistles in our life, but it's with supernatural empowerment. God wants you to have wonder. The word wonder means to think or speculate curiously, to be filled with admiration, amazement, and awe. He wants you to marvel at the wondrous works of his hands. But even more so at his incredible love. The thing that I'm most fascinated by is his love. I'm most fascinated by his love. How he could continue to love me. The way that he's, and you. All the mistakes, all the failures, all the shortcomings, the years and years and years of warped thinking that so many of us have lived and he never gave up and he never backed down. And when we knew better, but we still kept doing it and he still kept forgiving because he's the God of a million chances. He wants us to be excited. He wants you to be full of passion. And he wants you to be surprised. That's another thing that wonder means, is I'm, I'm surprised when he does something that once puzzled me. So I was puzzled by something, and then he answered my question, or he showed me something, and then suddenly I was filled with amazement. So today, I'm going to just conclude with two scriptures for you. And we're going to move to Psalm 37.4. You got 37.3 last week. Let's look at verse 4. This is a really beautiful, beautiful scripture. Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, you know I like to break scriptures down, and I want to encourage all of you, when you read your Bible, don't just read it haphazardly and fast. Take your time to chew on it, line upon line, precept upon precept. Get yourself a concordance and a study Bible I highly recommend the Blue Letter Bible. I recommend the Glow Bible. There's so many great Bibles out there that give you insight and understanding to content and context. Everybody say content and context. But then also the treasure trove of the original language in which it was written. And the reason why that's so important is because the original language, the Hebrew and the Greek, gives a whole plethora of understandings about a scripture you might have not known or thought through. So I chew on scriptures and I meditate and I break down these words and I get a whole nother understanding. So let's break this one down. The word delight, the first meaning of the word delight is to be soft. It means to be soft and another word that not a lot of men might like is the word dainty. Dainty. It means to be soft, delicate, and dainty. Dainty means to be delicately small, graceful in build and movement, but it also means to be extremely particular or fastidious about your appetite. That's a new word for some of you, fastidious. It means I'm an incredibly picky eater. Anybody know somebody like that? Some of you are like that. My son's like that. I can count about five things he likes to eat. Goldfish, bag food, gummy bears, every now and then pizza, and bacon. There it is. That's his whole appetite. <laughs> I've trained him well, I'll tell you what. Sorry to all the vegetarians, but we eat bacon at our house. Don't worry, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. 
So it means to be fastidious in our, in our, in our appetite. It means that in some way I'm difficult to be pleased, but think about it spiritually, I'm fastidious in my appetite with the Lord and nothing else can please me but him and all I really want is him and he is my ultimate best diet because man shall not live by bread alone but by every word, so I want to hear his word and so I've, made, I've lived a fastidious lifestyle for him. Right. And I understand that what God does is he takes hard and he makes you soft. There's no hard hearts in the kingdom, everybody. God takes a hard, calloused heart that's stony, and he cuts it out, and he puts in a soft, pliable heart of flesh. So yes, he wants to make you a big softy. So some of the most hardened, hardest guys that have walked in here, chiseled, stone cold. I'd show you testimony. I have to come in, just bowed up. Mad about the, everything. Angry at the world, wants to wipe out anyone and everything that's contrary to what they believe. A man's man, chiseled, stone cold, never going to shed a tear, especially won't lift your hands in worship until you get around me for a period of time. Just stick around because what happens is it's in the presence of God, and if they stick with it, which many have, suddenly God does something supernatural. He changes a hard heart and puts in a soft heart, and God does one thing really, really well. He does a lot of things well, but he does one thing really, really well. Everybody say this when you say, God, God fixes, fixes broken. broken. Yes. Welcome to the kingdom, everybody. God, does, God fixes broken really well. You got a broken anything, he can fix it. That's right. Thank you. He replaces missing. He fixes broken and he replaces missing. And I love that. And so to delight yourself in the Lord, the, the understanding of delight means that I'm happy about it, but it also means that I'm pampered. It means that I pamper myself in God. So it's kind of like who wants to go to the spa and have free reign? Anybody? Am I the only one? I like going to the spa. I like massages. I like hot tubs. I like steam baths. <coughs> I mean, I'll, I'll even get a manicure and pedicure. I don't care. And then I'll go shoot my bow and gut a deer. I don't care. And I'll pour a rosette lodge. I mean, what's it going to take to be a man? I don't really. I'm a man's man on my knees praying to Jesus. I don't care about it. And I'll sit with my wife at the spot too and get, do my nails and feet. Now, don't worry. I'm not getting any painted nail polish, okay? But it means that I, I am, instead of going after, it's like this. Forget going to the spa. How about owning the spa? Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm a part owner with the owner. And the owner just happens to be God. So when I get the owner, I get the spa. I get all the benefits of what God has to offer. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what, when I'm pampering myself in the Lord with a fastidious lifestyle... What I'm really doing is I'm choosing to delight myself in the abundance of who he is because I want his heart, not his hand. I like, his, I like the benefits, but what I want first is him because he wants to be wanted. And you can come to him for his benefits, but ultimately he wants to be wanted and he wants you to know that you're wanted. That's called intimacy relationship and being in love that's called being a bride and having a bridegroom that's called the marriage supper of the lamb that's called being betrothed that's called no longer calling him master but calling him husband the next thing is is he does nathan he gives us nathan because the word to give is the word in the Hebrew, Nathan, where we get the name Nathan. And it means to give. Nathan's name, our worship leader, and anybody that's named Nathan, you know I like to bring fun things. You'll always remember that, hopefully, means that God gives. It means that he puts in place, and it also means that he employs you to make an exchange and to earn wages, which ties right back to the garden. 
So what God does now is the same thing as tending and keeping is that when I delight myself in him, then suddenly he gives me something. He puts me to work by entrusting and appointing. It also means to entrust, appoint, and set into place. And now he entrusts me over something. He, entr- he puts something in front of me and he entrusts me with it and he employs me and he becomes my boss. And I get wages. I get a reward. And the reward and the wages I get are not of this world. They're way bigger and better. Now, people, but ultimately it's salvation and lives being transformed for the kingdom. And ultimately, we'll all be together in heaven one day. That's where we're all ultimately going, together with the Lord there. But he gives, he entrusts. And I want you to see, it's God that gives. All you have to do is delight, and God does the rest. Delight yourself in the Lord, and God will give and entrust and expand your territory and make an exchange. And what does he give? He gives you the desires. The word desires is the word, the petition or the request. Everybody say petition. Now, this is an awesome word, petition, because rooted in the word petition, if you look up the word petition, is the word entreat. Everybody say entreat. Rooted in the word entreat is the word treaty. And rooted in the word treaty is the word covenant. So now what happens is my desires are coming from a covenantal place of the promises of God. And now I'm covenanting with the Lord my petitions of what I... Trust me, what I prayed for 10, 15, 20 years ago is much different than what I'm praying for today. Now, suddenly, I have had this desire for a church, and look what God gave. Now I have a desire to expand the kingdom, hence the body of Christ, like I told you earlier, hence Rock City. And God says, I'm going to give you now a government contract, and I'm going to entrust you, and now it's not going to just be about you and the clothes you wear and your car and your home and your stuff, and you will, and you'll have those things. They're not necessarily bad praying for your family, all those things are really important. But suddenly my heart has become enlarged by me delighting in him and I want way more than the immediacy of my life. Now I want your life. Now I want a family all over the world. Now I want a kingdom established, his kingdom, all over Corpus Christi in the coastal bend. Do you see how this works? Now I am start to pray and believe differently. Yeah. Now I'm believing for buildings for clothed in righteousness. Now I'm believing for $500,000 to expand God's kingdom here in the immediacy, but ultimately to affect the city gates and do so many things. All these things were not my desires early on. Now my petition out of covenancy, and this is all John 15, by the way. I didn't choose you, John 15, 15, 16, 17. I didn't choose you, or you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that when you pray, what you pray for, you'll, ha- you'll get because you're praying from a fruitful place with him. Now my desires and my prayers and my requests are according to his desires and requests. And then the last thing on this scripture is the heart. Everybody say the heart. The Hebrew understanding of the heart is a seated place. It's think of a chair sitting on your heart. And on that chair are all kinds of things. Your emotions, your will, your mind, your desires, your appetite. On your heart is a seated place of your wantonness and the desires and the longing and your appetite and your emotions your passions, your moral character is all seated here because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in here is what comes out. Do you know that the heart is, is exactly interchanged with another word in the Old Testament? You know what it is? The soul. The heart and the soul are, in a sense, one and the same because in my heart is my mind, my will, my emotions, my desires, my appetite. That's my soul realm. And that's the realm that by the Holy Spirit has to be strengthened and transformed. And so suddenly, because I've delighted in the Lord, he chooses to move and 
then empower me and give me something and put me to work with another responsibility and new desires that are petitions from covenant relationship. And suddenly, my heart is seated or filled with his covenant promises. Now, you guys know I like to reword things. So I'm going to reword, I'm going to paraphrase that, this scripture in what I just broke down for you. And you put yourself, I'm going to use it first person, but, but think of it as yourself as well. I choose to be incredibly particular about my time with God. I long for him before anyone or anything else, and I won't be satisfied without him. I know that I'm frail, delicate, and soft before him, but I'm also gracefully built to move with him in power. I'm hungry for him always, and I choose to pamper myself with exquisite delight in the very nature and character of who God is more than what he does, and I couldn't be happier. By doing this, something incredible happens to me, and it happens from the inside out. I start to receive empowerment and reward from God, and these inner rewards cause or entice me to work. I suddenly find myself appointed and entrusted with new things and a new job, a better job, one that pays way better wages than what my business or this church or your job could ever pay. And this work now becomes my daily petition. As I live covenantially with God on a daily basis, now my emotions are stable. My appetite is strong. My moral character is in line. And my inner man is is renewed day by day. There you have Psalm 37.4. Is that cool? Yeah. Thank you. Now I'm going to read one more scripture, but in preparation of what we're going to do next, I'd like to ask the worship team to come up, and I'd like to ask all my ministry team and prayer partners to come line up behind me. I want to teach you one more thing before you go today. And then we're going to pray. You think the Lord has your number today? You think the Lord's trying to tell you a few things about our lifestyle and our love and our wonder with him? That if you'll just put your delight in him and le really learn delight, not religious duty, but love and relationship, that God would do something supernatural for your life. First you get him and then you get his benefits. Turn in your Bible to Isaiah 55, chapter 2. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2. It starts out with a question. Really, it's a rhetorical question to make you think, and the Lord already knows the answer. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? first few verses of Isaiah make it clear that we can come to the Lord without money and buy things like wine, bread, milk. These are all spiritual things that satisfy a person's life. And the newsflash is none of you have had the money to buy what God provides, ever. All you have to do is to make, make the exchange, give him your heart, and bam, you get all of his benefits. And the point is, is that chasing after the things of this world, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, just to put food on the table while you go to bed exhausted and dissatisfied is not God's best for your life. And I understand that sometimes you have to work long, hard hours for seasons, but if you can get the revelation of the fact that you're ultimately working for the Lord and you're in full-time ministry wherever you're at and you're doing what God wants you to do, he'll sustain you. But most people are throwing themselves into full-time work because they find their satisfaction in the paycheck and in their money and in their identity of their career. And then their family and their kids get neglected and they don't do any work for the kingdom of God because you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And I understand sometimes that happens, but God can see you into a better place or give you strength in the midst of it for it only to be a season. It only needs to be a season. But the last thing God wants is for you to be dissatisfied. And he says, why are you working so hard, spending your money on this bread and your wages on what doesn't satisfy because only the Lord can satisfy? And then the Lord says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance. You guys know that I love to see patterns in Scripture, and I see a pattern here. 
Listen carefully. Eat what's good. Let your soul delight in abundance. Come, hear. Let's look at the next verse. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear. Notice those words. If you'll incline, if you'll hear, your soul will live. Notice it's your soul, not your spirit, not your flesh. He's saying your soul will live. Because what good is it if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul? Do you know that I used to think of that scripture as being super rich and getting a lot of toys? And the Lord showed me not long ago that the pursuit of gaining the whole world can happen in your everyday life because you're wanting and you're desiring all the things that you don't have. And what good is it is if every day you're chasing after things that don't satisfy and your soul perishes. Don't live that life, guys. You don't have to. And then I love this. He says, I'm going to make an everlasting covenant. This is all a breakdown of what I just read to you in Psalm 37.4. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. And I love that. I love how God chose to put in the word the sure mercies. Because you know how much mercy the Lord had on David? He made some of the worst mistakes in the entire Bible. But because he was a man after God's own heart and quick to repent and said, I'm busted. I'm not going to live in shame anymore. You caught me. I'm, gonna, I'm running to you, not from you. God says, I'm going to make a legacy of Jesus and now all of us through his inheritance, through David. So God says, I'm going to make that same covenant that I made with David with you. If you'll come to the Lord and be satisfied, go back to verse 2. I love this one. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. You know what the King James says? I like that word. It says fatness. It's not that I want to be overweight. The point is, is I want my soul to delight in abundance and fatness of God's provision and his life and his goodness in every area, in my marriage, my children, my home, my work, and in everything that I do. God wants to make covenant with you, and God wants you to delight in him. Are you guys ready to do that? This is your time. This is our time. This is my own message to me and to you from the Lord. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, senior pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening. And until next time, Stay fired up.